Wilson, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We're going to talk a lot of baseball tonight, Um, obviously with Brewers on Deck, uh, their fan event going on this past weekend. Uh, The Loggers winter barbecue is tonight. Brewers pitching coach or hitting coach Andy Haynes is in town, right? The Cubs and the Reds and the Brewers all trading some free agency moves or lack of free agency moves in the last 24 or 48 hours. We have a lot of baseball to talk about today, and and I'm very excited because we've spent so much time on the Packers and we've spent a lot of time on the Bucks. And I think there is a desire to want to talk about the Brewers, to talk about their offseason, to talk about upcoming spring training and what this season might look like under David Stearns and Craig Council now is, is this team is really becoming theirs, right, as they try to go for their third straight playoff appearance. And I'm excited to talk baseball, but unfortunately we have to start with something else. I know this is something that Dave and Scrady talked about at length this morning. Uh, of course, the gut-wrenching news yesterday afternoon that Kobe Bryant uh, and nine others, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, uh, were killed in a helicopter accident uh, in Calabasas, California, on the way to a basketball tournament that Kobe was going to coach uh, and other children and other players in the helicopter as well. It obviously wasn't just Kobe uh, and his daughter. You have to bear with me. This is the first event like this uh, that I have lived through in my lifetime. I, I was alive for 9-11. I don't remember 9-11. I was alive when Michael Jackson passed away. I remember hearing the news. I was in Walmart, oddly enough, but that didn't really resonate with me. I didn't live when Michael Jackson was the king of pop. I didn't fully appreciate what that death meant to so many people and, and how a celebrity death could affect so many people in that way. It didn't really occur to me. It didn't make sense to me at the time because I wasn't alive when Michael Jackson was Michael Jackson. I obviously wasn't around for the death of Buddy Holly and Richie Valens in the Big Bopper or the death of Stevie Ray Vaughan in the early 90s in a very, very eerily similar helicopter crash or the death of Roberto Clemente, which, of course, a lot of people are comparing to yesterday's death of of Kobe Bryant, who is only 41. I wasn't around or I could not appreciate any of those past tragedies or those big news stories. Um, not to not to get into, I'm, I'm a communication studies major at UWL. I just started my last semester of my senior year. So I'm 21, about to be 22. Not to bring in a CST concept, but Douglas Kellner, a, a CST scholar, has this idea of a media spectacle, right? And it was first used to address the Iraq war and 9-11, where these events happen in the case of 9-11, where they are so big. And they are so captivating and they demand so much attention that everything else kind of shuts down. And obviously I'm overgeneralizing. And if there was a a, a CST professor listening to this, a communication studies professor, they would probably be upset of my oversimplification of the idea. But Kellner's idea of a media spectacle applies to 9-11, right? It would have probably applied at the time had media existed in the same way that it does now to the death of Richie Valens and Buddy Holly and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Roberto Clemente. These events happen and they command so much attention that yesterday things just shut down. Nobody nobody was focusing on anything else other than the breaking news story about the death of the 41-year-old recently or somewhat recently retired Kobe Bryant. I was watching the Pro Bowl yesterday and Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane, it was eerie, would go from a commercial break or the halftime show 
talking about the death and, and getting choked up about not only the death of Kobe, but the death of his daughter, thinking about their own children. And it was almost secondary that the football game was happening because even the even during the Pro Bowl, players were making references and celebrations and tributes to number 24 or number 8, Kobe Bryant, recently after his passing. Mike Breen, you heard on the broadcast of the Knicks game yesterday, too, said, I, I don't really feel like broadcasting today. It was eerie. It was, it was downright uncomfortable and really, really tragic. And an event that I have not seen or appreciated uh, in my lifetime up until yesterday. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. And I know this isn't Wisconsin sports, but as in the case of a news story like 9-11 or the death of Roberto Clemente or Stevie Ray Vaughan or, or the, the tragic plane crash. I mean, you could even talk about John Denver as well. This is the first time I've experienced something like this in my lifetime, and I think the idea of a media spectacle, which is a scholarly idea that was applied to a 9-11, definitely applies, meaning things just shut down. Everybody directs their attention to a certain news story, to a certain uh, happening or event. This is, is definitely the largest event, news story, tragic death of either a celebrity or, or a sports star that I have endured in my lifetime. And look, for people my age either in their teens or possibly in their young 20s as well. Like, Kobe Bryant was our Michael Jordan. Like, we hear about Michael Jordan, we appreciate Michael Jordan, and we understand what he did for the NBA and and, and his relevance moving forward, right, as most people consider him the greatest of all time. To us, and I'm speaking to people my age, that was Kobe for us. We didn't watch Michael Jordan. Kobe, Kobe was Michael Jordan to the NBA, in the time that we were growing up, in in style and in impact. Like, Kobe is a very similar player to Michael Jordan, right? It, the way that he would, ju- he would just attack you. He would go at you. Kobe had a very similar style, right? And impact on the league. Like, it was his league in the early 2000s before LeBron took over as the face of the league. And, I, and look, I'm not a Kobe fan. I, I didn't really watch... Shaq and Kobe's Lakers, that was when I was very, very young. I didn't really watch Shaq and, and Pau Gasol, or Kobe and Pau Gasol, rather. I was brought into the league by Dwayne Wade in the late, two, like, 2009, 2008, 9, and 10, and then was kind of brought into the NBA by then LeBron. Like, that was the anchor point to which I tied my NBA fandom. I'm not a Kobe fan. I really don't have any connection to him on the basketball court. At the end of his career, yes, but when he was at his peak, not really. That being said, I, it felt like I was punched in the gut yesterday. I'll never forget where I was, who I was with. I was with one of my best friends, Kenny. We were getting some food. We were going to go grocery shopping. And we were waiting for our food. And he tells me as I'm, I'm putting the straw in my drink. I'll never forget this. I was putting the straw into my drink. And he said, dude, Kobe died. I said, like, you idiot. Like, you're going to fall for that. He says, no, I, I think this might be legit. And I open up Twitter and I start scrolling. And I'm like, oh, my God, and I'm not going to compare this to any past news story, any death of a celebrity, and I'm certainly not going to compare it to 9-11, but I, I think it has a, a, a certain impact that as people are learning about it, you look, or we look, we were looking around the restaurant where we were, and people are on their phones, and you could just tell. I was shell-shocked, and I'll never forget where I was, who I was with, and, and the way the news was broken was hectic, and it was probably done improperly. The fact that TMZ had it first, in some cases, even before the families who knew the families of the victims, that's one of the downsides of social media. That's one of the downsides of the the current media landscape in which we live. 
But at first it sounded like none of his family were on the helicopter and none of his family were amongst the victims. And then it sounded like, oh, his wife and all of his children were on the helicopter. And then it said, okay, no, they're all safe. And then the news broke that his daughter, Gigi, who's only 13 years old, Gianna Bryant, was on the helicopter with him. And my first thought before we knew any of the details, only knew about Kobe tragically dying in this helicopter accident. My first thought was, man, he's got four kids. He's got four daughters. And two of them were born recently. Very, very, very young. One, if, if I'm remembering correctly, this last summer. How unfair is that? You know, it's, it's tragic that we are losing our beloved sports star, Kobe Bryant. A dude who, like, small side note, had transitioned so well into life after basketball. Getting into movies and getting into writing and getting into coaching of his daughter. He was doing it the right way. He had transitioned out of sports better than maybe someone I had ever seen do it. And yet, I first thought of, man, he's got four daughters. Like, how unfair is that to lose their father at only age 41? Two of those daughters, him and Vanessa, of course, had after Kobe retired, so they're much younger. They're on the younger side. And I I immediately thought of the video that was trending. I don't remember if it was early this NBA season or if it was last, of Kobe and Gigi sitting courtside, and and it was very clear that Gianna was asking a question about something that was going on on the floor, and then Kobe explaining, pointing, and then as it started to make sense, Gianna nodding her head saying, okay, okay, I got it. That was the first thing that came into my mind. Not any shot that Kobe had hit, not any play that had happened on the, on the, on the floor, in the playoffs, in the regular season, whatever. I thought, man, he's got four daughters. And then it was it was obviously mortifying to hear that one of his daughters, his 13-year-old, and, and fair or unfair, and this isn't a judgment on any of his children, probably the most well-known just because of what she does in, in basketball, right? Kobe is her coach, and you sometimes see headlines or highlights of what her and her team were doing. Man, oh man. And I immediately thought of that video, which had kind of become a meme, kind of become a funny thing, and I, and obviously now it's, it's a reminder to appreciate family and, and appreciate people around you that you love because you just never know. I, I don't want to continue to talk about this, we're going to continue to talk about this for a couple of minutes. I promise we're going to get to the Brewers. We're going to talk a little bit about the Reds and the Cubs as well. We are going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers uh, before the end of the show because there's some news that is very, very relevant to us uh, and one of our former stars, Kobe King, uh, relevant to tonight's game. So I'll share that with, with you coming up as well. But this is tough to talk about, and it's something we have to appreciate, something we have to discuss because, as I said, sometimes these events happen, and, and I used a scholarly term, um, as as Douglas Kellner's idea of a media spectacle, right? When when something happens that that really commands the attention of every eyeball, of every screen, of every channel, this is one of those instances. And, and I think we would be doing Kobe and his daughter Gianna and, and the other seven who were on the helicopter, nine in total, including the pilot. We would be doing them a disservice uh, by not remembering and, and not maybe reflecting on uh, on our first thoughts and, and and what we're thinking after yesterday. So we're going to continue to talk about this another 10 minutes or so. If you want to share your thoughts on the situation, please do 608-796-2558. Share your, share your thoughts. Shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line. What maybe Kobe meant to you and how yesterday and, and, and this ongoing tragedy is affecting you. Wisco Sports Show uh, back after this on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. 
Hope your week is off to a good start. Uh, happy Monday. We're talking about and covering the tragic news uh, that came across yesterday, uh, early afternoon, mid-afternoon, uh, that Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter accident in Calabasas, California. Uh, him and eight others, nine total, uh, of course, including some other families and children and Kobe's uh, 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, uh, Gianna Bryant. This is... <laughs> Man, I don't know what to say. This sucks. It was it was very very sad yesterday. And as I said uh, to start the show, I I didn't grow up watching Kobe. I, I think a lot of kids my age did. I, I took a little bit longer, probably than most my age, to get into the NBA. But to understand Kobe's relevance and Kobe's importance, I think a lot of people my age, around twenty years old, or probably a little bit older, even. To us, Kobe was Michael Jordan. We didn't get to watch Michael Jordan. I was born in 1998. So Michael Jordan's dominance by the time I was able to comprehend sports was long over. Kobe was that guy for people my age. People who played basketball in high school and are currently playing in college right now and even some young NBA players as well. Like, that was our Michael Jordan. That was our Michael Jordan. And it felt like a gut punch yesterday. Uh, to read the news and then, unfortunately, to have to question whether the, the news was true and then realize that, yes, it was. And, oh, by the way, the news the news gets worse because Kobe's 13-year-old daughter was also on the helicopter. And it's not like they were going on vacation. Not that it would matter if they were. They were going to a basketball tournament. She was going to play. Kobe was on his way to coach some kids. Families and kids were waiting. Did you see some of the pictures of the tournament that, that Kobe was supposed to arrive to? Just the eerie, just... Terribly sad pictures of these families and children just waiting for uh, that group of people, including Kobe and his daughter, among other parents and, and, and kids and players, who never arrived. And the news getting worse and worse as the day went on as we learned exactly how many people were involved, especially so many kids. Kobe, I don't think we sometimes give him credit. Like, Kobe was a part of two dynasties. Like, LeBron, as great as he has been, right? He was in Cleveland the first time. It didn't work. He went to Miami. It worked for a couple of years, and then he left. Went back to Cleveland. It worked once. Then it stopped working. Then he went to Los Angeles. Kobe, as a member of the Lakers, and to be fair to Kobe, Lakers are probably a little bit better of an organization than the Cleveland Cavaliers, but Kobe was a part of a a mini-dynasty the first time around with Shaq as his teammate, and then the Lakers retool... And he's a part of a, of a second version of that dynasty. I have a real difficult issue calling two championships a dynasty, but he was a part of two dominant teams, one with Shaq and then one with Pau Gasol. The man won five rings. man won five rings. And I know we get so caught up in the LeBron versus Jordan debate, and I do think Michael Jordan and LeBron are, are the better players. You want to talk about impact, that's different. You want to talk about pure basketball players, I do think LeBron and, and, and Michael Jordan are both better players. But Kobe's dominance through multiple iterations of that team. Think about it. He was coached in the later part of his career by a former teammate. The staying power and the consistency throughout his entire career uh, is pretty awe-inspiring. And it's something we don't see a whole lot. I think the loss of his daughter makes this more terrible for me. I think that's what got me yesterday. I saw that Kobe had passed and we saw the news of the helicopter accident. And it was terrible because Kobe's only 41 years old, had transitioned into retirement, into coaching his children, and into making films, and had transitioned away from sports better than maybe I've ever seen anyone. And for how 
much of a competitor he was and how much he lived, breathed, ate, slept basketball to transition into retirement as well as he had. I'm not, I didn't see that coming. And he was killing it off the floor. And to lose him unexpectedly at only age 41, that was terrible in and of itself. But then to learn later on, and I didn't learn until probably an hour after, like I said, I was going to the grocery store, I was doing other things, to learn that his 13-year-old, his 13-year-old daughter was a part of, of the accident and that she lost her life as well, that's when it really started to hit me. And the way the news was broken yesterday, they did a pretty poor job of, I, I think people tried to jump the gun. Saying that, no, Kobe's family is safe. No, they were all on board the helicopter. No, they're all safe. And then, of course, the truth eventually came out that, okay, one of his daughters was on that helicopter among other young children and parents and coaches all on their way to a basketball tournament. I immediately thought of his, I immediately thought of his daughters when I saw the news that Kobe had passed away. I'm like, man, man's got four daughters and he's leaving that behind. I mean, that's, that's a parent's worst fear. That's a mother's worst fear that you, that you could lose not only your husband, but lose a child and have to deal with that. That's terrible. And, and to think that Kobe was leaving four daughters behind, ultimately Gianna passed away with him, which at the time I didn't know. I immediately thought of that video of Kobe and Gianna sitting courtside where Gianna was asking questions about what was going on, Kobe doing his best to explain, and then you kind of saw the light click on in Gianna's eyes. Oh, okay, I get it. Kobe had taken that intensity and that passion and and that obsession, really, from basketball and, and transferred it over to coaching his children, being with his children. You ever notice that Kobe, Kobe really doesn't go to a whole lot of Laker games? He's not sitting courtside at Laker games, right? He's doing stuff with his family. He lives in Orange County, right? That's why he said to take a helicopter to the games. He's not dealing with that traffic. It's not like he lives in L.A., He was all about basketball. And then when he retired, he was all about his family. He was all about other things. He never really was Los Angeles in the way that probably Magic Johnson was. Certainly, probably a lot more similar to Kareem. A little bit more aloof and removed from the lights. It was all about basketball, right? Almost a little bit awkward when having to deal with things other than basketball. Kobe took that obsession with basketball and had transferred it to his children, to other things. And that's what made it so terribly sad. I, I was on social media yesterday, and I I, I remembered this uh, whenever it came out a year or so ago after Kobe had retired and he's been moving on to do these these great things. Obviously, Kobe's been retired for a couple of years, but Kobe was on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, and I thought, and look, I don't watch Jimmy Kimmel. I don't really watch late night TV. I, I see highlights and I see clips, and I encountered this clip on social media. Uh, Kobe Bryant talking about his daughter Gianna, who was kind of the hooper in the family. Kobe had had taken up coaching her team and 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 really supporting her. And, and at the time, obviously, Gianna and, and Kobe still alive. They have both since passed away as of yesterday. But Jimmy Kimmel and, and Kobe talking about his daughter Gigi just a little bit. Do you think your daughter might want to play in the WNBA? She does for sure. She does. Like, I, I don't. It means this, this kid, man. She's Wouldn't like, that be great, dude, man? I, I'm telling you. The best thing, the best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like. Hey, you got to have a boy. You and V got to have a boy, man. You have somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy. She's like, oh, I got this. You <laughs> know, boy, for that, I got this. Like, that's right. Yes, you do. You got this. How, how do you not get choked up listening to that or watching that video knowing what we know now? 
right? That, I mean, that's that's as bad as it gets. That's as tough as it gets. And obviously now it's it's an amazing piece to remember them both by. But I, I guess the lesson is to be learned here is you know, like you never know when you're going to see someone for the last time, right? And I know I've I watched Jay Williams on ESPN yesterday and and, and was flipping the channels earlier today trying to listen to to the takeaways and the messages that some of these sports talk hosts were giving because this is bigger than sports. This is a reminder to cherish the time you have with your loved ones and with your friends because you just never know. And and I talked with a friend, uh, obviously UWL starting class today, so I had some friends coming back to town who were maybe home or who were maybe spending time with their family over break. And I talked to him on the phone uh, yesterday afternoon, probably around five, and we talked about Kobe a little bit. I said, man, dude, drive safe. Because like you just never know. I said you better make it down here. Save you better stay off your phone, and, and and you know you cherish that phone conversation because you never know. You cherish that time where you go over to a buddy's house to visit or you meet someone for lunch. You cherish that time because you just never know. And, and this is what breaks my heart. And this is the last thing I'll say about it because we do have other things to talk about. This is what breaks my heart it is thinking about how many times Kobe and Gianna, his daughter, had flown in a helicopter before. Like, Kobe used to take a chopper to every single Lakers game. And and I don't know for a fact. I'm assuming that Kobe and his family used a helicopter more often than not as transportation to get around Los Angeles. And I'm speaking for myself. I don't fly in planes a whole lot. I can count on on one or two hands how many times I've, I've had to fly in a plane. And, and if you're in the same boat as me, if you travel every week for work, I'm sure it's different. But if you're in the same boat as me, where you've flown on a plane 10 times in your lifetime, what do you do every time before you take off? You text your family. Say, hey, at the airport, just about to take off, love you all, text you and I land. Right? Every time you fly on a plane. And we appreciate that. We, we appreciate the gravity of the situation, knowing that, you know what, you just never know. You never know the last time that you're going to have a chance to talk to your family. And I think people who travel non-routinely understand that and appreciate that. Man, how many times had Kobe and Gigi flown in a helicopter? Right? That was a regular day for them. That was a normal day for them. There's no way that while boarding that helicopter and when taking off, they were texting their family saying, hey, just taking off, let you know when we get there, love you all. No, that was a normal day. They were probably talking about what what to expect when they got to the basketball tournament, you know, what they were going to have for dinner later, what the plans were for the week or this upcoming weekend. It was was routine for them. And then it was over just like that without any chance to say anything, without any chance to text relatives, to call friends. Like, like I understand the importance of, of when you're taking off on a plane, text your parents, text your siblings, text your loved ones, say, hey, I'll let you know when I land. I, I can't imagine that Kobe and G, and that's what makes it even more sad, is because their life was going normal, was going great, until it was just like that over. And that's really, really, really sad. And it's something that's going to weigh on me, and I'm sure will weigh on a lot of you uh, for the very near future, if not for a, a very long time. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about free agency. I want to talk the Reds made a move today, and I want to relate that and, and talk about the Cubs and the Brewers because Cubs and Brewers fans, we're actually in agreement on something right now. We'll talk about that coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Do you think your daughter might want to play in the WNBA? She does for sure. She does? I, I don't, it means this, this kid, man. She's Wouldn't like, that be great? Dude, man, I, I'm telling you. The best thing, the best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, hey, you got to have a boy. You and V got to have a boy, man. You have somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy. She's like, oi, I got this. <laughs> you know, boy, for that, I got this. Like, that's right. Yes, you do. You got this.
Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. You can always reach me on Twitter, even when the show's not going on. I love to talk sports, love to argue sports. You can find me at Grant. Uh, you should follow us all at WKTY. I, I was really, really excited to come on air today, and I, and I love this job. I love what I do every day. It's obviously made a little bit more somber and a little bit more sad by yesterday's news of, of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven others passing away in a helicopter accident. That's kind of shaken not only the news world, but just about everybody in every form of media and every outlet. I, I was really excited to come on here and talk baseball today because we've been in such a rut with the Packers and we've been talking about the Bucks as well. And I get the sense constantly that you want to talk more Brewers baseball. You want to talk about the Cubs. You want to talk about the Reds, what the NL Central might look like. And and I spent a little bit of time at, at Features in West Salem on Saturday for Dave and Scrady's anniversary party. And I, and I met some some awesome listeners. And you all kind of had the same thing to say. He's like, man, you need to talk more Brewers. I'm like, well, like, <laughs> we had to bury the Packers. Like, we had to put a cap on their season. But absolutely, let's get after it. And I was really excited to come on air today and talk baseball. We are going to talk about the Brewers now. We're going to talk Badgers basketball and Kobe King coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. The Cubs, if you didn't notice earlier today, taking a little bit of a page uh, out of the Brewers playbook, letting a really, really productive player walk in free agency. If you didn't see Nick Castellanos, their big trade deadline acquisition, uh, they let him walk in free agency, signed a four-year, $64 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. And the kicker is, and this blows my mind, this is how bad Cincinnati is willing to, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get these players to come and, and join their team. They gave him a one-year player option, meaning that after this first year, if Castellanos thinks he can get paid more, go ahead and opt out. Go to town. Man, and, and I get it, Cincinnati might like that for financial flexibility reasons, but to lock up a player that you want a part of your core, you want him a part of your future, and say, we want you so bad, we'll even give you flexibility if that's what it takes after your first year to rejoin free agency, to get back into free agency, I think it really speaks volumes on how bad the Cincinnati Reds organization is is wanting some of these players to come in. So, so, so far this offseason, Cincinnati has acquired four big-name free agents. They've spent $174 million, including signing two of the biggest deals in team history. Remember, they also signed Mike Moustakis and Wade Miley. Wade Miley now joining Derek Johnson, the former Brewers pitching coach who is now in Cincinnati. And you, you saw the results last year. I mean, their pitching was great. The Brewers took a step in the wrong direction. The Cubs had a lot of decisions to make on players. Obviously, Chris Bryant was one of the big ones. That's a, a deal that they made happen and they retained one of their own, one of their core guys who's been there for years now. So I'm not I'm not faulting the Cubs. You you cannot re-sign every free agent. And I'm mocking them saying they're they're taking a play out of the Brewers playbook. The Cubs had a lot of decisions to make. The interesting thing was Nick Castellanos, after the trade deadline when he was acquired, was tremendous. He had over 320, he had 16 home runs and 36 RBIs in 51 games. He was the one player, and I think if you talk to Cubs fans, and I'm not trying to speak out of turn because I've heard Cubs fans say this. So if you're a Cubs fan and, and I'm wrong, correct me. I think he was the one reason that that team stayed afloat because that team was trending down, down, down. Every player was trending down, down, down. And Nick Cassianos kept them fighting and in it until the bitter end. That man was a, a one-man wrecking crew. Now, obviously, it wasn't enough because baseball, it's hard to win with only one player leading the way. But I talked to a lot of my Cubs friends uh, over, I make it sound like, oh, I have lots of friends who are Cubs fans, but I have a few. And I talked to them uh, kind of before the buzz of free agency started. And they asked me about Grandal and Moustakis, and I asked them about the Cubs. And and most of them were, 
in agreement, you re-signed Nick Castellanos. He was that good down the stretch. You know, look, I know these other guys have been here and, and the Cubs have this, this core they want to keep together, but Castellanos is great. And I'm sure there were also some Cubs fans that said he just made himself a lot of money, arguably too much money, that he's going to be overpaid in free agency based on his production. Both are opinions, both are valid. We'll see how this deal plays out in Cincinnati. But he was tremendous in his time with the Cubs, and I think a lot of Cubs fans wanted him back because he was one of the few players that that really kept the Cubs alive down into the bitter end where they were ultimately edged out by the Brewers well, and the Cardinals who eventually won the NL Central. The Cubs and the Brewers, their situations aren't identical. Like, like don't get me wrong. The Cubs have more money to spend. They have more players to pay for. The Brewers have to be a little bit more strategic. Grandal and Moustakis versus Castellanos and Contreras and Almora and Chris Bryant. Like, the situations aren't identical. But both teams have had the opportunity to spend money to retain high-level players, whether through free agency and keeping those free agents or tendering players, right? The Brewers have let a lot of guys go. The turnover is insane. The Brewers' estimated payroll as of this week, this weekend, a lot of numbers and articles and, and, and previews coming out, of course, during Brewers on Deck this past weekend, their estimated payroll is set to be $97 million on opening day. It was $122 million last year. And the turnover is wild. They had off-season departures through free agency like Grandal, Moustakis, Jordan Lyles, Pomerantz. Some declined options, Eric Thames, and then, of course, non-tenders like Junior Guerra, Travis Shaw. They traded Chase Anderson and Zach Davies. A lot of turnover and a lot of departures. And they brought in a good amount of players in free agency and made some trades as well. But look, I don't like I have to look to remind myself who the Brewers have brought in. I have to go back and look like, oh yeah, okay, they did bring in Omar Navaez. And they did like I forget some of these names. Oh yeah, Jed Jerko is a brewer now. These are not actually moves and, and players that make you go, wow, I'm really excited for this season. And Atanasio had a chance to be interviewed by some of the Brewers beat and, and he spoke to Brewers fans and on deck this weekend as well. I thought Adam McCalvey did a really good job summarizing everything Adonacio, the Brewers owner, had to say. He writes for Brewers.com, MLB.com. Look up Adam McCalvey, at Adam McCalvey on Twitter, and you'll find this article. He did a really good job summarizing a lot of things. The message from Adonacio about decreasing payroll, trust the process, which is the last thing I wanted to hear. This is what he had to say. I'll share some of it with you. The process has been has proven to be eminently trustworthy for the past several seasons, we believe we're going to win a lot of games. Obviously, we have flexibility to add players in season. By the way, I'm one of those fans who questions spending. But you make a bad signing and you say, why did you do that? We're trying to be competitive every year. I think we're on the path to do that and now have been for several years. Virtually every contract we've signed, we have an option uh, on for more than a single season. We've signed single players for two seasons and an option for a third. We have the ability to keep this team together and not have turnover for next season. Anasio actually does a pretty good job explaining maybe why the Brewers do what they do. But the phrase, trust the process, I I don't buy into that, especially when he says this process has been proven to work the last couple of seasons. Well, yeah, it's because two years ago, you started the offseason by signing Lorenzo Cain, a bona fide superstar, and trading for Christian Yelich, who has become a bona fide superstar. And you started last offseason by re-signing Mike Moustakis, a bona fide superstar, and Yasmani Grandal, another bona fide superstar. You see the trend here? Signing really, really good players makes your team really, really good. Imagine that. 
and Atanasio, of course, saying, well, the process has worked in the past. Yeah, well, the, the process was different the last two years and has been this year. Sorry, I have doubts when you sign Omar Devias and Ryan Healy instead of Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich or Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal. You see the difference there, Mark, Mr. Atanasio? You see the difference? So to reference the last two years and says, well, what we've been doing has been working. Well, yeah, it's because you've been signing really good players. This year, I, I don't buy into that. I don't think any of these players are really good players. I think they're all fine. And they're going to go out there and play, and they're going to win a couple of games, and Craig Council is going to do a great job managing them. That's what he does. Craig Council is an excellent manager, and I think he will get every last drop, every possible win out of this team. But where's his team going? This team was one inning away from knocking off the eventual World Series champions. And their response was, get rid of maybe our second and third best player and bring in a bunch of guys that we all had to immediately log on to baseball reference to figure out who the hell they even were. Process has worked, Mark. Yes, it has worked because you've spent money on really good players. You didn't spend money on really good players this year. You bought a bunch of guys to fill out the roster. That's what you did this year. And that's why we questioned this year compared to the last two years. I tweeted earlier today, when the Castellanos news broke, I I tweeted earlier today, imagine being a fan of an NL Central team that's actively trying to compete because that's what the Reds are doing. They're spending money. They're having an active offseason and actively looking to improve their team. My God, you should read some of these replies. One one response says, Kane, Yelich, Braun, Hira, Garcia, Navias, Smoke, Urias, Arcia. That's a damn good lineup. Stop acting like a spoiled little, I'll let you fill in the blank. Oh, is that a damn good lineup? Okay, well, take out Navias and put in Grandal. Put take out Smoke and put in Mustakis. Yeah, that's a good lineup. I don't know. I don't know what this guy's smoking. You're spoiled. You don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. Get out of here. Trust the process. Well, yeah, the last two years, the process has been sign really good players. That has not been the process this year. Don't tell me to trust the process. Get out of here. Speaking of trust the process. Kobe King, now playing for the Wisconsin Badgers, he's in his junior year with the team, but in his second year, his sophomore year of eligibility, uh, doesn't sound like he's trusting the process. Doesn't sound like he's believing in the program. He didn't travel to Iowa tonight, and I guess he's having a little bit of issue with the Wisconsin program and the way that his role, or or lack of a role, uh, is being treated on the team. We'll talk about that. I'll tell you what we know coming up next. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, we've covered a lot today. We, we spent a half hour talking about Kobe Bryant and remembering Kobe Bryant uh, and his daughter Gigi along with seven others who, who tragically passed away yesterday in Calabasas. If you missed that and you want to you hear what I had to say and what others of course had to say when they, when they joined in as well, podcast will be up at WKTYsports.com uh, and on our mobile app as well. We've also been talking about the Brewers a little bit. We've covered a lot of ground today. I, I want to finish with the Badgers. They travel to Iowa tonight, or they are in Iowa City tonight. They're going to play Luca Garza and the Hawkeyes uh, as a part of their Big Ten Conference play, of course. It's pretty crazy. We're almost to February, and once we get to February, March is right around the corner. Like, this college basketball season is flying by. And and look, normally I have... I have great distaste for college basketball. You know this. I have great distaste for Big Ten college basketball. I, I love Division Three college basketball. You put me at a UWL game, absolutely, because the WIAC is the best 
athletic conference um, <clears throat> in the country. But I have great distaste for most college, most college basketball, and I try to. I, I watch the Badgers and I cheer for them, and it hurts and it's painful and it's boring. But I do it. We don't talk a lot of Badgers basketball on this show. Mostly because people love talking about the Brewers, and we've been talking about the Packers and the Bucks, who are elite and as good as good gets right now. We've talked about Central Basketball and the Davises. What we haven't talked about a lot this year is Kobe King. He's actually been balling. He's been hooping, or he was hooping to start college play. You remember he hung 24 points, a career-high 24, in their conference opener against Indiana, and then even more recently hung 21 against Illinois in that one-point loss. Ever since he's been rather quiet, he hasn't been shooting great and he hasn't been putting up numbers. And he may be thinking that that's not all his fault. I don't know if you saw the news. He didn't travel with the team. He's not in Iowa. And it was first reported by the journal Sentinel and then later others. Uh, The King did not travel from Madison and according to a source is frustrated with the direction of the team this season. That's really the only juicy part. The rest, if you go read a story, they'll talk about his stats and about his play and the schedule, but that's the nugget. That was the breaking news today, is that Kobe King, according to a source, is frustrated with the direction of the team, the former Mr. Basketball, the lacrosse central superstar, who I watched I watched him carve up my classmates when I went to Menominee High School. Uh, he was a year younger than me, or is a year younger than me, so I watched him absolutely just go wild uh, on some of my best friends who, who played on the, on the basketball team. Kobe King is a, and I'll say it because I feel like people forget, Kobe King is a baller. His athleticism, his speed, his bounce, I think this is up there. Some of the best traits on the team. Bounce, speed, athleticism, instincts. I think he's at the top or near the top of that Badger basketball team. And if you watched him in high school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That man could cover ground and could get up and could go get a ball or go get a bucket in the snap of a finger. Maybe even quicker than Johnny Davis. John, and I don't want to compare the two because it's been a couple of years since we've watched Kobe King play at the level that Johnny Davis is currently playing, meaning junior and senior year of high school and AAU and in the state tournament. I watched Johnny Davis and he is so good at so many things. I don't know if his speed jumps out to me the same way that Kobe King's speed jumped out to me. And that's not a rip on Johnny Davis. That's more a compliment to Kobe King. The Badgers need to involve him more. They need to. And I saw a lot of people getting mad on Twitter today. Oh, play, you know, get Kobe's minutes higher. He's got to play more. I, look, his minutes are actually very comparable to Brad Davison and Demetric Trice. And his shots are rather similar to Demetric Trice and Brad Davison, too. It's when and where his shots come. And it's more about his role on the team rather than the amount of time he's on the floor. Because Badger fans, like, you know. And especially Badger fans who live around here, because I think we all have a rooting interest in watching Kobe King succeed. When he isn't involved in the play, meaning he's not the primary ball handler, he's standing in the corner. He's passive, and he's just not involved. That's not a minutes issue. That's a a game plan issue. Meaning, we're not running plays to get Kobe open. We're not running... You know, pick and rolls to get him moving towards the basket. We're not giving him screens so he can pop out and get a jump shot. They don't run things for him. Every point and every bucket that Kobe King gets is earned in a one-on-one or in transition or it's it's a bucket that he's making happen. They don't scheme plays for him. They don't run sets for him. And I think Badger fans get really, really tired of watching Demetri Trice or Brad Davison with 10 or 11 seconds left on the shot clock 
have the freedom to clear things out, to dribble for 10 seconds, and then to heave an off-balance three at the buzzer. It's not about minutes. Kobe King's minutes are up there with every other player on the team, and his shots are pretty comparable as well. It's how those shots come to be, how those plays come about. Because Demetri Trice and Brad Davidson, like, they run sets for those players. They run sets for Nate Reavers and Aleem Ford. They run design plays to get those players opportunities to score the ball in favorable matchups and in favorable situations. I don't see that a whole lot with Kobe King. Now, maybe, knowing what I know now, I need to go back and watch these games and watch with a more critical eye. Because I do have a rooting interest in Kobe King because he went to Lacrosse Central and because we cover so much of that team and because I'm a Badger fan and I watched him in high school, I have a rooting interest in see him play well. And when he doesn't play well as a fan, I sometimes like to think it's somebody else's fault. It's the system. It's the coach. It's his teammates. But you watch the games. Demetri Trice and Brad Davison have freedom to take shots and have plays designed for them to get shots that Kobe King just doesn't have. Now, I don't know if that's loyalty. I don't know if 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 the loyalty thing with Greg Gard towards his players, meaning... You know, sophomore, you got to wait. You got to wait and you got to earn your place on this team. I don't know if, I think that's slightly exaggerated. I don't think that's the case. It's frustrating, however, when, look, Demetri Trice, Demetri Trice is not the player that Bronson Caning was. He's not even the player that Trayvon Jackson was. Like, he is a step beneath what the Badgers have been dealing with at point guard the last couple of years. And yet, he's allowed to do some of the things that he does. He has the freedom to clear it out and to go one-on-one with his guy way more often than he should. There's plenty of time on the shot clock in college. There should never be any reason to waste the last 12 seconds of a shot clock dribbling the ball at the top of the key like you're James Harden before eventually heaving a three that's off balance and with a hand in your face. And and I don't know for sure, but if Kobe King is upset with his role on the team, it's not about minutes. It's not about shots because Kobe King gets attempts. It's the way that those minutes on the floor are spent and it's the way those shots come to be. Because Kobe King is not given the assistance offensively that some other players are, and he's not given the freedom that some other players are. And I think that's that might be where his unhappiness is. It's more than minutes. It's more than shots. It's, it's the way that this team operates and is constructed and is designed. Kobe King doesn't think they're taking advantage of his skills and what he can bring, and I happen to agree with him. Because when the Badgers have won, who's been their main guy? It's been Kobe King. Been Kobe King and Greg Gard even admitted down the stretch against Indy or Illinois when they ultimately lost probably should have gone to Kobe more. Was well, something we'll talk about more in the in the days to come as we learn more. We'll also continue to talk about Brewers. Andy Haynes is at uh, the Lacrosse Loggers Banquet as we speak right now. We'll talk about all that as the week goes on. A lot to cover this week. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.